Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. Uh, This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, talking to you from New York City, where uh, we have more Jewish people in New York City than anywhere else in the United States, but not more than in Israel. In fact, we have some good news. We have recently bought a beautiful, almost 4,000-square-foot commercial property in Ramat Gan, which is an urban suburb of Tel Aviv, just really just down the street from Tel Aviv. And uh, we're beginning to uh, rebuild the inside and renovate it and build it out. And uh, we're very excited about it because it will be the only place in an area of almost three quarters of a million Israelis that is owned and operated by Messianic believers. And so we are looking forward to some great ministry there where we will be talking to loads of Israelis about Jesus. We're already doing it. We've had a place across the street that we've been renting for six years, but now we've built up a staff of 10 staff members, and uh, we now will have our own place once we're able to renovate it and get into it. And so we're very excited about this place, and I hope that when you join us on an Israel trip with Chosen People Ministries that you can go see it, and you can pray for us even now as we continue to develop uh, the project. And so with me today is Bobby Walter, the director of our work in New York City. So welcome, Bobby, and thanks for joining us. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you and shalom to all of our listeners. We're really grateful that you're joining us uh, on this program. And Mitch, we're going to continue here our uh, series on the Dirty Dozen, answering the 12 most common objections to Jesus that Jewish people may have. So we're going to just jump right into it, if you're okay with that. I am. I am. And later on in the program, we're going to actually hear a testimony from one of our Israeli staff members. Yes. And so this is an exciting, uh, maybe a little bit more of an Israel focus today. And I hope you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Scripture says, they will prosper who love thee. Amen. And what's interesting in our ministry in Israel is that Jewish people really have common objections because Jewish people are raised in the same religious faith, Judaism. And many Israelis, and of course many American Jewish people, uh, were raised by parents and grandparents who maybe were even more religious than we are today. But we sort of uh, carry on their tradition of not believing in Jesus, if you can imagine that. And so uh, there are many different kinds of objections. There are cultural objections, historical objections, there are theological objections. And so we're kind of looking at the more theological objections, the more faith objections. Not that most Jewish people are biblical experts, but uh, there are these issues. So what we're looking at today is whether or not Jewish people have an objection to the way a person comes to know God. In other words, uh, do you come to God through belief or do you come to God through 
keeping his commandments. Uh, I think you put it this way, Bobby. Uh, do Jewish people, are they looking towards deeds or are they looking towards creeds? Mm-hmm. I like the way that's put. So what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on, on that, Bobby? I mean, it, what, what is the common understanding, you think, of, of Christians about Jewish people and how they approach God? Can we start there sure. for a minute? Sure, yeah. I think, uh, honestly, I think there's a common misconception uh, that's mm. out there in the Christian world, and, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. But basically, there's this idea that Jewish people believe that they can do enough works and obey the commandments in order to earn a place in God's graces, in, in order to right. earn salvation or earn a place uh, in the world to come. So, salvation is earnable. It's received by doing good deeds or right. good works. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's the misconception that's out there. So, Mitch, why don't you help us understand then, how does your typical average Jewish person believe that they are, quote-unquote, saved, right. or how they can find forgiveness of their sins or a place in the world to come? This is so important to understand before we go ahead and share the gospel with a Jewish person. First of all, we have to understand that Jewish people do not believe in the depravity of man. Mm. They do not understand the event in the Garden of Eden the same way Christians do. And so Jewish people do not believe that there was permanent damage to the soul during the encounter in Eden with the serpent and so on. And so they do not believe that Adam and Eve's sins corrupt our nature and that that corrupt nature transfers all the way to this present day. And so... Jewish people would never say that we need to be saved. They would couch it much differently. Mm-hmm. They would say we need to be forgiven of our sins. That's different than saying we need to be saved. We need a radical transformation of our nature. We need to be born again mm-hmm. um, because our old nature is corrupt and evil. Jewish people just don't see scripture that way. So there's not that much emphasis on a particular point in life where you accept well, for us, we accept Jesus as our Savior, or a Jewish person would accept uh, God and their relationship to God, and from that point on, they would be transformed. That, that's not in Jewish thinking. It's, it's always a process. It's always something continual. Uh, once I was uh, sharing the gospel with a rabbi who was trying to stop me from handing out gospel tracts at a campus, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, it was right after the Day of Atonement and the high holidays. And I said to him, his name was Baruch, which means blessing. I said, so Baruch, what was a blessing to you during these high holidays? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know that your sins are forgiven because the day of atonement, we fast and we repent and we hope that God will forgive our sins on that day. That's a really, that's the most important day of the Jewish year when it comes to forgiveness. And so I said, so are you forgiven or are you not forgiven? And he looked at me and he says, oh, that's such a simple, silly question. I said, okay, well, why don't you answer the simple, silly question? You know, it's New Yorker to New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, you know, I said, come on, just a straight answer. Which way is the wind blowing? Okay. At the end of the holiday, at the end of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, are you forgiven or you're unfor- unforgiven? Which way is it going? He says, well, look. And he called me by my Hebrew name, Menachem, which means comforter, like Menachem Begin. Of course, neither Begin or I were very comforting at times. But uh, but he looked at me and he says, Menachem, Menachem, listen, it doesn't make a difference because the moment I set foot out of synagogue, I'm going to sin again. And then the process needs to begin all, all over. So 
it, it's a, a lifelong process. And I looked at him and I said, Baruch, you've been such a blessing to me today. And he, he looks at me and says, why is that? I said, because you have reminded me once again of how wonderful it is to know that Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, died for my sins and rose from the dead. And when I embraced him by faith, by grace through faith, that my sins were forgiven, wiped out, sent from the east to the west forever, not just my past sins, but my current sins and all my future sins. And so thank you, Baruch. And he just kind of smiled at me and said, you're welcome. (laughs) I don't think he meant it. Uh, But Jewish people believe that if there is salvation, the concept of salvation, it's a process. And that's why I always couch the, my witness to Jewish people in terms of forgiveness of sin rather than being saved. Mm. Because being saved means you're being saved from hell, you're being saved from a corrupt nature. But to be forgiven, well, that's a whole other idea. And so to offer a Jewish person the opportunity to be forgiven of their sins once for all, not once a year as we do with Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, because it only lasts a year. So the question is, uh, can you present the good news to a Jewish person by emphasizing forgiveness as opposed to this one act of getting saved? Uh, I think that's a better way to couch it. Now, does the Jewish person need to find Jesus as their Savior, accept him as their Lord and Savior, and be forgiven, and that happens at a point in time. Absolutely, that is true. But Jewish people would not readily understand that, so you have to present the gospel, That's a gospel that's true, of course, but you have to present it in a way that they would understand. Again, forgiveness rather than an act of being saved, because Jewish people know they need to be forgiven of their sins, and Jesus does provide forgiveness of sins. I feel like shouting hallelujah. Amen. You could say it in where you're sitting or standing right now, too. But it, it is a marvelous thing. Amen. Amen. And and honestly, Mitch, this whole stream of uh, of the truth here that you're sharing really seamlessly leads us into the next objection that we want to deal with. And that is when a Jewish person will say that they can't believe in Jesus or they don't believe or accept that Jesus is the Messiah because God does not command or accept human sacrifice. So how can we grapple with this as well? Because, uh, I mean, clearly, as as you've laid out here for us, Jesus is the way. Jesus, uh, Yeshua's sacrifice, uh, when he shed his blood on the cross on that Passover uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, it is a valid sacrifice that um, indeed, you know, atones for our sins by faith. So how, how can we, though, like help a Jewish person understand how to view this? Well, remember, a Jewish person may not be that familiar with the Bible or even with Jewish tradition, but they somehow in their soul understand these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, there are some Jewish traditions that speak to this. For example, in uh, a statement in one of the Jewish traditional writings, the Mishnah, which is part of the Talmud, and if you want to learn more about all these things, you can go to the Chosen People website, chosenpeople.com. We've got all that stuff for you. But there's a quote, and that is, the death of the righteous weighs as heavily as the burning of the temple. Hmm. Interesting. And so there is a concept, believe it or not, of substitutionary atonement. Um, 
For example, here's another one. When a condemned man was about 10 feet from the place of stoning, they used to say to him, make your confession. For such is the way of them that have been condemned to death to make confession. If he knows not how to make his confession, then say to him, say, may my death be an atonement for all my sins. Interesting. There actually is a concept within Judaism that one's own martyrdom in particular, Mm -hmm. or one's death, can atone for sins. But there's also a a concept that the sins of a righteous man can atone for the sins of other people. Right. So this is woven through Jewish tradition. So the, the very idea that personal forgiveness can come at the expense of someone else is actually a Jewish idea. Yeah, yeah. And, and that whole concept, the death of the righteous atoning for others, for the nation, for other individuals, uh, it's based on Numbers 35, verse 25, uh, this passage about the death of the high priest, uh, that through the death of the high priest, it would bring about the forgiveness of all those who are living in the cities of refuge, so these are people who right, right, know, right, exactly. killed somebody or they wound up in these cities of refuge. And the only way that they're set free and liberated from that place is through the death of the high priest. Um, now, Mitch, I think there's another passage we can look at, too, that really reinforces this idea. Because we can affirm with our Jewish friend that, yeah, Christianity, belief in Jesus, we also don't accept human sacrifice, you know, uh, in the ways that it's described in the Torah, that God was commanding against it. Uh, you know, regarding like pagan child sacrifice or things like that. Yeah, we believe that that is wrong. But uh, again, the scripture does underscore the fact that there would be a special, unique human being um, who would die and that through his death, he would bring about forgiveness of sins. Uh, And when we look in Isaiah 53, verse 10, there's a, a word that's used there in the passage uh, where it says that it pleased the Lord to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself a guilt offering. Uh, And that Hebrew word for guilt offering is the word asham. It's the Hebrew word asham. And that word asham is only used in the context of the temple or the tabernacle to refer to animal sacrifices, animal blood that would be shed. But here in Isaiah 53, it's the only place in Scripture where it's used to describe a human being. So this special, unique servant of the Lord from Isaiah 53, he would become a sacrifice. He, he would shed his blood, and his shed blood would bring about the redemption of the many, okay, of many from Israel and many from the nations as well. Absolutely. Um, and so we don't believe that we should sacrifice our children to Moloch. Right. We have a disdain for idolatry. We understand what the Ten Commandments says, particularly the first two commandments, no other gods before us, and and it's really the most important one. And uh, look at the history of Israel and the problem that idolatry has caused. And so we reject that. But what we do accept is the word of the other prophets who say that one day God would become a man and that he would die for our sins and rise again from the dead. And when you combine Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, uh, with Isaiah chapter 53, we have this glorious picture of God becoming a man, suffering on our behalf, dying for our sins as the most righteous person who ever lived, rising from the dead and assuring our forgiveness of sin. And so you can clearly explain to your Jewish friend that this is true. But I still think that one of the best ways to explain it 
is to read Isaiah 53 to them and let them discover it for themselves. I always like sitting down with a Jewish person and having them read the Bible next to me and uh, make comments and we can have discussion. That's just such a wonderful way to witness. I think once a Jewish person reads through Isaiah 53, they'll understand that the Bible itself speaks about someone dying for our sins. There are hundreds of books that have been published on the land and the people of Israel. But where do you look when you want to separate fact from fiction? Fake news is not something new, nor is it something that's going away anytime soon. And that's why we'd like to share a resource that presents all the facts in one place. It's a book called, What Should We Think About Israel? And it's our free gift to you today, just for reaching out and letting us know you're listening. Go beyond today's heated debates and questionable news to discern for yourself what's important to know about Israel and why it affects you. You'll find this great resource online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for the book, What Should We Think About Israel? Edited by J. Randall Price when you call 888-293-7482. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now, we're actually going to turn our attention to an interview that Mitch conducted a few months ago with Mark, who was on our staff in Israel. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Um, So, uh, somewhere along the line, you became a believer in Yeshua as a Jewish person. Yeah. And what what convinced you that Jesus was the Messiah? Uh, I'm from a regular Jewish family that believe in everything. I mean, God and many, many different things together. I mean, secular Jews, it's called? Yeah. Okay. And uh, and my mother is a doctor. My father is a builder. Yes, builder. And uh, we never talk in family before about God or something like this, but we celebrate, for example, Pesach, Passover, sure. and we ate matzah on Pesach, and uh, for example, on Rosh Hashanah, we know that it's symbol of Rosh Hashanah, uh, the, the apple and the um, honey, so I know a little bit, but not more. Mm-hmm. And uh, once uh, guys from Messianic congregation uh, come to us and start to share gospel. And uh, we, as an Asian family, we are very open for guests. And uh, you don't need to ask us twice about, uh, can we come to you? Of course, we say yes. So they ask us, can we come to talk with you? We say yes, of course, no problem. And they come and start to share with us the gospel. And um, I said, can I ask you, where, where, where were these guys from and how did they know about you? We tried to make a co- connection between us to the, today. So after uh, 60, 60 years, we, we, we know each other, we know about each other, where we are, and we're talking with those but guys who come to us. How did they find you? Ah, where from? Uh, my, my grandfather is famous uh, art. Uh, who, who make pictures artists 
artist, yes. And uh, everybody knows that he is Jewish. So because on his pictures he wrote his family name and everything. So everybody knows that my mother is Jews and my father is Jews. So we are Jewish family. And they don't need to ask twice where is Jews here. They know here. And they come to us and uh, start to ask. And uh, after that they asking me, do you believe that Yeshua is Messiah? I said, yes. And my mother to look at me and said, how? How do you know that he is Messiah? I said, because from the, from my uh, when when I was young, from my ch childhood, um, I very like uh, to read a book of about. I didn't know that this is Jesus or Yeshua. I it was comics. And it was uh, the the one one of the books that I very like, and I I I wrote um, the story about Yeshua. So when they share the gospel, I said, "Yes, this is I know it. So I you, believe in him." So you had read about Jesus in comic books? Yes. <laughs> when I was child, when you were child, yes, child, yeah. So in where were you in? I mean, in Russia, you. Uh, Uzbekistan, they yes. had Russian language comic books about Jesus? Yeah, it was uh, in my uh, uh, grandma uh, bookstore, bookstore, biblioteca, bookstore, library. Uh, library. Uh, um, the, she has many, many, many books, a big library, but only one book with uh, pictures, the comics. And because of that, I, I go exactly to this book and I read uh, as a child and I learn about Yeshua, the wow. story. That's powerful. Yeah. And anybody else in your family a believer? Uh, from the beginning, we, me and my mother start to believe and today, all my family is believers in Yeshua. Really? That's wonderful. Yeah. All my uh, brothers-in-law, everybody, everybody, big, my big family, all, all, all is believers. But that started from you? From me and my mother, yes. So you came to faith? Yes. In the beginning it was very hard because everybody was against. And they said, why, why you believe, why you go there, why you doing like this? But after that we pray about them and little by little they come to believe. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then please let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. We've got a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift available just for you for reaching out. We sure do, Bobby. Randall Price has edited an eye-opening and engaging uh, multi-author volume called What Should We Think About Israel? That's designed to help us separate fact from fiction when it comes to the conflicts and controversies in the Middle East. And I am very happy to have a chapter in that book on Jerusalem itself, hmm. uh, past, present, and future. And I know that you'll enjoy that very much. And we'll send it to you free just because you've reached out today. So go to chosenpeople.com radio to request your book. And then, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and just let us know you're listening and praying for the ministry of chosen people and for Jewish people all over the globe. The Bible tells us 
that the prayers of a righteous man accomplish a whole lot. And we know that your prayers empower us to reach Jewish people all over the world. And so we welcome and appreciate deeply your partnership. You can also let us know that you're partnering with us in prayer by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or give us a call at 888-293-7482. And don't forget to ask for your free copy of J. Randall Price's book, What Should We Think About Israel? And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.